You're listening to Legal Tech Academy. Podcast that inspires legal professionals to make a difference in the sector but being more than just a lawyer. My name is Iga Kurowska and I'm sitting down with inspirational individuals from all over the world to talk about their projects, the lessons they've learned, their views on hot upcoming trends and many more. Together we discuss how to make a change in the legal sector. Welcome to the third episode of Legal Tech Academy. Today we will be speaking about the potential of data for the legal sector. We've got two guests today with us. Łukasz Malicki, who helps companies automate data extraction from unstructured documents, as well as representing the legal sector, or Solia Szabo, who's working on a daily basis as a legal tech consultant. Enjoy the discussion. Uh, so maybe to start with, Łukasz, could you explain to, to, to us uh, in simple words what actually data analytics is and how it could be used by, by, by lawyers? Oh, that's, that's a great uh, question. And uh, what you said a, a few seconds ago, uh, I think the u- lawyers use artificial intelligence software um, as often as nobody else. I'm talking here about OCR. I mean, optical character recognition software. It's a very, very advanced neural networks behind that. We think OCR that is software like it is because we are getting used to it and use it every day. But it's a very advanced AI, so so it's not that simple as we as we think. But uh, data analytics, as we as we all know, data is new uh, new oil, or as some of us say, it's a new soil. And frankly speaking, that's that's true because um, right now, thanks to a lot of a lot of power, computation, etc., we have uh, we can analyze not only numbers uh, but also a variety forms of, of data. There's could be text, audio, images, graphics, video, and, 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 and more. And machine learning in the field of data analytics could solve a lot of, a lot of different problems. In, in general, machine learning algorithms, uh, we can divide it into three types. There's regression, clustering, classification. I'm not going to tell, to tell you anything about the defin- definition, but how we can implement it. Uh, for instance, um, very, very uh, common machine learning models help to identify, for instance, whether the customer will churn or not. Uh, bank loan approval, also email spam, uh, email spam detection. And uh, talking about email spam detection, I would like to focus and, um, and mention about very important thing that um, probably nobody told you that before. There is a huge difference between algorithm and a model. In, in the field of machine learning, we very often talk about models, not algorithms. What's the difference? The different difference is if we have the spam filter, we can, um, we can make the rule that if there is a mail from our client, please forward this mail to somebody else. But machine learning models try to estimate uh, 
to whom this, mo this email should be forwarded and it's pre-trained. So there is no a direct, a strict rules. What's the difference? The difference is that algorithm works always well. There is, okay, we can make some, some mistakes or error during the implementation. However, if we have step-by-step, the algorithm works almost uh, almost always always good. Machine learning models based on we, we are very often talk about machine learning model accuracy. Why? Because machine learning models that have been trained based on a lot of uh, a lot of data, and uh, we can say that machine mo machine learning models are sure. Uh, I mean, we are we are. 98% sure that this mail should be forwarded to a banking department. So there is a huge difference between uh, models in the field of machine learning and typical and, and, and typical algorithms. Another way in using uh, machine learning models, that's a clustering, as I, as I said, there is a, a task to group the items together based on some attributes. Uh, for instance, we all have Netflix or another HBO Go, and my home screen uh, is probably different than yours. Uh, having a lot of a lot of clients, a lot of uh, people who watch every day uh, Netflix, Netflix try to uh, find or segment the clients and based on their choice and preferences uh, to create the home uh, the home screen that would be the most fitable to my to my preferences uh, and of course another type of algorithm the regression so you probably very know uh, very uh, you know that very very well because there's a type of predicting prices of uh, of house or your salary etc so uh, there are three main uh, machine learning algorithms like clustering, uh, classification, reg regression. But what we need to know that there is a huge difference between uh, typical uh, statistical analysis, algorithms, etc., and machine learning models, uh, which work absolutely different. Yes, and I think that what's what's a little bit different in case of, of uh, data analytics for, for lawyers uh, than in other uh, fields of, of business in other industries is that uh, data analytics uh, for, for the legal interest industry is mainly focused on, um, on the analytics of text. Yes, I think that's a very, very good point. And I think that really bridges the sort of the gap between the, uh, you know, the very IT minded professionals. And I think Lukash gave a really, you know, in-depth analysis of, of what analytics could be. Uh, and but from a legal perspective and, you know, to bridge the gap between IT people and, and lawyers, it's very important to understand that that it's actually about text to data. So how we use analytics for analyzing text and data embedded in text. And I actually just want to take a step backwards and, and you know, give three components to what we at Investi Legal Tech Consultancy consider you know, data analytics to be for, for lawyers. Um, so I, I would first start with, you know, what, is, what do we mean by data in legal? And I think it's important to know that it's actually relevant in for any relevant information that we use in a legal work stream. You know, this needs to be aligned with the goals of a given legal project. 
right? If you are a privacy lawyer, you probably are well aware how the GDPR regulation defines personal data. It can be anything from phone numbers to IP address, you know, any other information that makes an individual person identifiable. So it's pretty, pretty clear what you know, GDPR understands under data. But if you're a corporate M&A attorney, for instance, you may be looking for certain clauses in contracts, right? Like a change of control clause in a due diligence environment. You know, I've been an M&A transaction lawyer myself before starting uh, um, legal technology consulting. So we've been looking for change of control clauses all the time while doing due diligences for, for, for clients. And, and so actually a clause or a given um, um, paragraph in a document can be data that we would be looking for um, in a data analytics context. So a given clause in a certain type of contract may be actually the data that you are looking for as a lawyer. Or if you're an in-house counsel, you may be looking for expiry dates, you know, termination clauses, contracting parties. You know, these may be also data in, in legal context. Or you know, another example would be you know, data in work streams. Who works on what in your legal team? You know, you may want to try to measure and highlight, demonstrate the value you create by the legal function for the business departments around you. So, you know, that that would be number one. You know, what is data in legal? Um, you need to know what you are looking for from a legal perspective. You know, you need to ask the right questions. So, number two in my definition of legal data analytics is, you know, like how do we quantify it? How do we quantify data in legal text? How do we break it down to numbers, right? Data analytics is always, will always be about attaching a number to the information. So we need to extract it and count it. And this is where actually the technology that Lukash so well described will help us lawyers with the data mining process. And then the third part of what we mean by legal data analytics is actually the analytical part. So this is the judgment or the decision-making part of the process, which is, you know, again, very much based on human expertise. Um, and when we analyze data, you know, we, we actually use the data found by the machines and um, also use the technology for visualizing data. You know, they, that, those, those sorts of, you know, pretty pie charts and visual dashboards may be very helpful if, if they are embedded in the technology. But at the end of the day, data analytics requires expertise. We lawyers need to draw the right conclusions. We need to find the right strategies and drive the right actions. So at the okay. end of the day, you know, we, we, we want to get to better decisions and better risk management. Yeah, that's that's really great also. Yeah. And when you were speaking, something came to my mind in terms of the search that you so well explained with the example of change of control clause, because I think that what comes to the mind of every lawyer in this particular case is that these cases are not always the same looking. So what I think that we have to keep in mind from a more a technical standpoint, and I'm sure uh, Wukash um, can, can clarify more on that, is the conceptual search that we apply to the legal field. Is that not the search? It's not the same when we search with our control and F as we would think because legal language is more complex. So something we are trying to search in order to, uh, and also not to confuse the text with data and information with data as these are not the same, but in order to gather these da that data from, from, for instance, from text, we apply in the legal field 
this conceptual search, which is, for instance, uh, mm, that one word is also can have different variety of synonyms, right? And it is used in a different context, which we human, but that computer cannot do. And um, that was just my, my quick input on, on from, from what I've observed. If I can comment on this um, a little bit, um, in, um, if we have enough, enough set of data, uh, we can train uh, that we call in NLP like the language corpora. If we tr if we can uh, if we have enough uh, enough data, we can train our models that some uh, phrases, some words are closer to to another word than something else. Uh, we all know that car by car we can we can dr drive, uh, we can go, etc. But flight, not really. And there is uh, there is concept of uh, building. A language, language corpora. So, if we have enough data to build that legal corpora in Polish, in French, in in English, etc., uh, that uh, building the uh, contextual search engines is uh, is doable, is possible. But what's the what's the case? Uh, we, I mean, people will be always more creative. So. Uh, if we need to analyze some abusive clauses, uh, we can we can operate and we can train the machine learning models to try to find uh, the uh, abusive clauses that this model has already known or, or uh, seen uh, somewhere. Uh, it's very difficult or almost impossible. Uh, to train the machine learning models that will be able to discover that something could be abusive, uh, abusive close if it haven't seen something similar in the past. Other terms that I that we've used when applying um, legal AI technology to 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 searching legal text was uh, you know dictionaries. So I think that also relates to what Lukas said. You have to put together you know, the search dictionary you are looking for, what are your criteria based on which you are extracting data from thousands of legal contracts, for instance. So getting to the right search dictionary um, is, is a good way of collaborating with the IT people behind the technology. Um, and the other uh, concept was enhancers, right? And what you mentioned about looking for synonyms is sort of an enhancing role and added layer to the basic search within the AI engine um, with which you can specify you know synonyms or other misspelling or you know typical typos one would use um, or, or in, a, in, a, in a text that makes the search more accurate. Yeah I would like to only add that accuracy that the keyword there's a there's super important word accuracy we need to be or you need to know that uh, machine learning models will never be 100% accurate. Uh, accurate. The accuracy uh, could be lower, could be higher, but it depends, first of all, on the training set and uh, how complicated the documents are. Because if we have some attachments, if if uh, one document is uh, connected to another, to, uh, to others' documents, that will be pretty tough to understand that the definition to, to one term in one document is, uh, is over there. So uh, machine learning models, uh, even if they are trained 
perfectly. Uh, they couldn't understand that the definition of that word could be different in one in one document and in others. So, um, um, so yeah, the accuracy and uh, is the is the key word here. And the supervising, as Agata mentioned in the comments, right? So there is definitely need to be someone with human expertise who knows, you know, what the legal team is looking for and what are what are the terms according to which um, the search needs to happen. And then there's definitely need to be someone in charge who who supervises the process, checks back on the data, and you know go, goes back to to the machine learning part as well kind of teaches back the machine of how to understand a certain term in that in that context so definitely we are very much you know supporting that idea of keeping human expertise Lukas, you have mentioned about uh, training uh, training new uh, new models uh, for for artificial intelligence um, how you see the role of lawyers in this process? Is, is it, uh, or, or maybe is it uh, something what, uh, what lawyers should not be involved apart from, from, the, uh, from supervising uh, this process? Or maybe um, uh, are there um, any uh, artificial intelligence systems which allow lawyers to, to train new models uh, themselves? From the business perspective, I think that today every company, no matter if it's a legal tech company or a producing or R&D company should collect data. Gathering data it gives a lot of, a lot of power. Uh, so uh, legal firms should gather the data because they can use it somewhere. I don't know, I don't know where because all the companies have another, let's say, mindset or business plan, etc. But uh, but they should collect a lot of uh, a lot of data because it gives it will give some power in the future to train new machine learning models if they discover some uh, something. To train machine learning models, normally we need a lot of data. It's not uh, it's not enough to have one uh, documents in the process, one due diligence process, and one set of documents and train the model. We need to have a lot of different NDAs, a lot of different contracts to uh, to train our our models uh, to let them recognize what was document about, was a type of document, etc. Et but uh, big companies, well, big IT companies do it. So, so I think that uh, they will support uh, leg legal firms. Um, on the other hand, we have very young legal, legal firm, firms, let's call them startups, uh, because I strongly believe in young, not only young, but young people who want to change the world, uh, they could uh, create the uh, legal firms, IT legal firms. I'm not. I, I'm not saying that it's an IT business, but there is a legal firm powered by a, a IT, powered by AI. So if um, if people have got a great idea and see something that is going to be done manually today, but it could be automated, uh, if they collect enough set of data, they could train their own sm small. I would say small, but it's. It's not going to be a uh, model to support even a very small process. So, and it, it sometimes is very, it's, it's, it's very, it's very helpful. In our, in our system that we, that we are going to develop in Random Forest, we want to let uh, users to train their machine learning models by using uh, five 
for documents to extract the data. Let's say the expiration date of uh, uh, NDA or any contract. Uh, we think that by using our own uh, models, pre-trained models, uh, our users will be able to train their own uh, search engines by using uh, five, four um, examples. Uh, so that's not that much. But if you want to create your own product, of course, the, the amount of data need to be uh, huge. Okay, great. And uh, Orsolia, uh, maybe could you explain to us uh, what is actually the business uh, purpose to use the data in the legal sector? Because we have touched the, um, the aspect of technology. Uh, we have discussed different use cases, but actually what is, what is the benefit uh, of, of using such technology in, in legal sector? Yes, thanks so much for this great question. And I think it also ties back a little to what Lukash has said, because I'm not so convinced that lawyers need to train their own AI models on their own data. I think, and actually that's the business case. I mean, lawyers should be using AI for their client's sake primarily, or, you know, we could, we could, differentiate between two two main lines then you know perhaps use ai for internal efficiencies perhaps you know knowledge management could be a great example for that and then you know a separate route for client facing business cases um, where where lawyers could 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 use uh, could use ai your perspective, of course, is absolutely different than mine. I'm talking about to be better than competitors. I mean, if you want to analyze some documents because you are experts in, I don't know, in uh, uh, due diligence and you do it every day, you have a lot of data and you, you can train your or you can create your IT system that will be the best in the, in the, in the world. But uh, in general, I fully agree. We will have a lot of systems in the near future that will support attorneys and uh, legal firms in documents classification, uh, in um, to create some predefined context to our search engines to, to support this manual work what we were talking a few days ago that you spent a lot of hours in the in the library and you probably you don't have to because some engines could do it um, as good as you uh, to today right so so there's a two different perspectives if you are going to build uh, a new product no matter if 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 uh, this new system needs to be you, you want to commercialize and sell or for internal purposes um, so there's one perspective and another perspective is uh, the systems and uh, IT software that will be uh, available uh, soon or it has it, it is available right now. Yes, Thanks. and just keeping on, on the topic of, of internal efficiency, um, I just wanted, wanted to add, Iga, that you know, it may be a different case for law firms and a different case for in-house legal teams, right? If you're a law firm, then, you know, the knowledge management use case for, for AI will be very well, will need to be very well aligned with the legal practice management tool so that, you know, you can extract key clauses from, from the contract templates that a law firm uses or for client relationship management or spotting the right expertise from among your team members. And that could be use case for, for law firms. But for in-house legal teams where, where they use a matter management platform, you know, they could link that with a, with a smart AI solution and help with you know, spend management or resource and capacity allocation 
or managing legal intake from the business department. So it could be variety between legal teams in law firms and in corporations. Thanks a lot, Orsolia, and uh, thanks, Wukash. I think that something you said is very important, that we should distinguish the two use cases, right? Because we jumped uh, maybe too quickly into that uh, NLP discussion about what can be done. And of course, uh, it's very uh, exciting one, but I think that it's not the most common use that should be given maybe to data, because this is very... Um, a very narrow expertise and we are not at this stage. I wish we were, but unfortunately we are not at the stage yet where every company is developing its own search engine for, um, but of course this is one of the use cases. So I would suggest we take more like a business perspective for building something what's called business analytics, which is something that all of the company, not, I want to say all, right, because legal are the part of the ecosystem, but most of the digital companies are running on, and that is something that's still very far away from the legal sector. So here I'm going to ask you a more, a more uh, precise question, which is, uh, Wukash mentioned that we should just gather data, everybody should be gathering data, uh, because there are so many uses of it, but it's like, from a very pedagogical standpoint that I try to take, take, it's like trying to jump in in the pool without really knowing how to swim, which means that we can gather all the data, we can really buy the software for, for data analytics and stuff, but if we don't have the right criteria, if we don't have the right methodology, we're just gonna be collecting data and not knowing how to use it. So in the uh, recent article of Mark Cohen that I posted on the, on the website uh, for you guys before the meeting as a reading, there was this sentence, data is only as relevant as what it measures and data mining analytics likewise as only as the materia as the quality of human judgment applied to the problems worth solving. So I think that we humans need to set the criteria for the data mining, for instance. What do you think about the right criteria for a law firm? I agree with you partially uh, because I um, met with plenty of super big companies, legal companies, and uh, very often they uh, even don't tagging or tag the documents. If you have a document like, I don't know, any NDA, you can create a list of tags. That tags will help you to in, in classification. So later on, uh, you, can, uh, you can train your own model. You can, you can build, uh, I, I'm not going to say that you need to collect almost everything in one folder because of course we need to have uh, make it uh, smart. Uh, on, on the other hand, uh, some firms even don't think what they could do with this document. They have enormous set of documents, due diligence, contracts. They, if they read the, the, I don't know, any document and they find the abusive clause there, they, they should highlight it and put it in the Excel uh, spreadsheet, uh, because later on, it will be very helpful to create even their own machine learning models uh, or search engines. I'm not going to tell that uh, they need to have do it by their own, but in the nearest future, in two years, three years, some data sets or some models, some uh, um, software will be available uh, in an open source license. 
So if you have pre-trained machine learning models to discover um, abusive clauses, you can hire the uh, IT professional and give him or her uh, uh, your uh, data set with 100, 200, 500 abusive clauses and retrain this model. And thanks to that, your model will be 1%, maybe 2% uh, better than that one that is available for everybody else. I think that's very tricky for, for law firms because you see, uh, Lukash, it's not their own data, right? If they do a due diligence or if they need to look for abusive clauses, it's not their files. So for law firms, and to answer Iga's question as well, they need the right context. They need to apply AI in a given you know, well-defined project case. And I think that also ties to what Mark Cohen said in his text, uh, in his, in his uh, article in Forbes yesterday, you know, point number two, actually, where he said data architecture should reflect corporate purpose, you know, for a better customer experience, actually. So for law firms, it needs to be a very well-defined purpose where they need to, where they should be using AI. And what I'm saying is that, you know, that's very hard to, for that, in that case, to pre-train a model for just any scenario out there. My suggestion for law firms would be instead, you know, look for the right project where you suggest to your client to use technology and come up with the right terms of, you know, like how, how to manage that project in that specific client case, where you say, you know, let's deploy AI for this due diligence and we'll help you, um, define the right dictionary and the right contextual search. So for, for law firms, I would suggest definitely the right project, uh, project um, context. Yeah, I think that both of you have different perspectives and this makes the conversation very interesting. And that was the purpose to put the IT, uh, let's say person and the person who's got the both, both words, because I think uh, we see already the the difference uh, in in the in the horizons, right? Uh, I think that Wukash, you take some things for granted that for us is like science fiction. Uh, if I was given a few years ago when working as a lawyer, I wouldn't know how to tag things because what words do I use? We have we are simple people as lawyers, so we don't really have that kind of thinking. Although I do believe that we need to be in sort educated by you guys as well about this kind of dialogue. Of, of where to pay attention because we are simply losing so many resources right now, but not doing what you tell us that we should be doing, right? And we're gonna be left behind probably. I don't think so because I think that uh, many SU, many people who are interested in uh, IT and have, because what's the most important, uh, IT guys will, will never be attorneys and they won't understand the legal world like you. Uh, you understand your world and I think it's much simpler to explain uh, how, to, uh, how we can support you, how we can uh, replace your manual work, uh, what you need, uh, what's your main, uh, main problems every day. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, so someone had to explain me that. And uh, if uh, legal firms meet a, a smart IT company, I think that uh, in this collaboration, uh, could uh, they could create something something great because uh, the power of computation, AI, 
uh, I think that uh, the new world is uh, going to happen uh, soon because you have a lot of data, uh, you have uh, a lot of manual tasks that needs to be automated as soon as possible. Uh, so, um, but do you, do you suggest that they set up their own uh, technology? Because my, my suggestion to that is, you know, they could go to random forest and they could they could apply the AI engine that you had developed and you know put the legal expertise that they have in their firm in there and run into client projects and search for contract clauses so uh, is it necessary that you know each law firm sets up their own i mean they should go to random forest shouldn't they i think i think that uh, each company no matter the medical company legal uh, legal company uh, it's going to be a slightly it company I believe that in the nearest future, every single company will need IT specialists on, on, on board uh, because uh, it's possible right now to uh, speed up many processes by using uh, simple algorithms that needs to be or can be very fast added as a widget to your systems. But your legal firm could be absolutely different than another one and uh, you need another widget than uh, others companies so so uh, everything what we need there is a, some kind of support and having the guy who is uh, smart enough understand your processes understand your business your business perspective purposes your clients your market uh, could uh, by using even open source uh, models open source uh, software um, add a huge value uh, to your work so my point of view is, um, is, is different because I believe that the near futures, in the near futures, uh, all, uh, all the companies will be slightly IT company. Okay, and uh, guys, if you were, if you were to, uh, to, to list like, like three main challenges for the adoption of, of uh, data analytics in the legal sector, uh, what would that be in your opinion? Maybe, maybe Orsolia, you could start. Yes, happy to. So my my choices uh, for for challenges would probably number one would be would be education, and I think that's that's why you know legal tech academy is so well placed to share this knowledge about you know what are how, how can we use technology um, uh, in 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 legal context. Um, so ed education is definitely a challenge. We need to have lawyers understand what tools are there and how they could deploy them. Number two um, would be decision-making barriers probably you know like to apply technology there are there need to be people in the law firm or in the corporation who decide to invest into a certain tool right um and who's who's the person in charge to invest into a data-driven legal function is it the operations is it the it department is it anybody from the c-suit so my challenge number two is you know who's the decision maker? You have to figure out who's the decision maker to invest into technology. Um, and number three would be uh, the, the training part. So how do you then use tech, once you invested into technology, how do you train your people? How do you upskill them or reskill them in order that they can stand behind the technology and use it in the right context? So education, decision-making, training, upskilling, these are my three. Okay, great. And, and Lukas, uh, from, from your experience, uh, what, what's your take on that? Um, 
first of all, unfortunately, I fully agree with Ula. <laughs> and I would add only one thing that uh, people are afraid of uh, artificial intelligence uh, or machine learning. They think that uh, some new tools, new software will, will replace them. It's not that case. It's definitely not that not the case in the uh, in the legal market. Uh, so um, I think it's connected to the first point Ula said: the education uh, that uh, people needs to people need to be educated that machine learning models will support them, not replace. But it's a learning curve, right? So it's not. It doesn't happen overnight. Yes. It's it, you need to you need to get there. Need to understand what tools are there, what are the right use cases. You have to sit down and think about what are the use cases in your context, in your law firm, or in your legal department. Get the right people to use the technology. You know, manage the project in the right way, where you you, you use software, you you train your people, you retrain the software, and you get the people do the to take the decision making at the end of the day and do the human analytical part. That is so essential. These are some really great insights, and I think that taking the time to do it is also a challenge on its own. I'm saying that from the perspective of somebody who's in charge of implementing the technology in the legal environment, and I know how difficult it is to, simply from a human-based perspective as well, to just put another task on their already very long to-do list. Uh, so we need to rethink the way that maybe we approach these projects, uh, maybe also hiring people who are responsible or um, or um, just collaborating with the external agencies, uh, trying to find a way. Uh, I'm still finding an answer to my question, whether it's something that should be done, uh, you know, down, top down approach or, or the other way. I, I don't know. I'm still struggling in finding the, it's changing my, my mind from day to another. But thanks a lot for this. I'm really happy we could hear from you, from, from you, your experiences. Um, I wanted to ask, actually, uh, if you were to give the first, um, if the participants of the meeting wanted to take one step um, for the implementation of data analytics tomorrow, when coming back to the office freshly with the energy and the knowledge they gained, gained from today's session, where should they? The first step is to understand your business, find the business perspective. I mean, in which department, in what process we can support our, our people and uh, help them to speed up some manual processes. And then when they see the value of implementing this, uh, this uh, uh, tailor-made uh, solutions, they will understand that it's really value to invest in the whole company, in the whole process. So first things first, focus on small, very uh, small dedicated process, not the whole process, but only a part of it. And then it will be very valuable. My take would be, you know, straight ahead to contracts, deep dive, dig into your contact contracts. And, and you know, um, there are some great tools out there on the market already for contract management, specifically for, you know, whether you go into the pre-signing phase or the post-signing phase or an end-to-end -end contract management, very often AI-driven tools, uh, or you have smart search platforms. Thing is, 
deep dive into your contracts. Make sure you get the cows sorted out. You, you have them, you have all the attachments ready, all the latest versions up to date. You know who are the parties, when they were, how they can be terminated, uh, what are the deadlines, what are the payment terms. Um, like all those things, get your contracts into order. And I think that's a perfect use case for, uh, for, for AI. Whether you're a law firm, you can do that. You can offer that as a service to your clients. If you're an in-house legal team, that's even better, you know, just dive into, use AI to dive into contracts. That's really, I do agree with you on this being a very good uh, use case, especially that the software that is available on the market, as you said, has this AI powered part included, or usually it's in the beta, it's not working perfectly, and but we shall not strive for perfection. And this is something that also aligns with what Wukash said, to start small, to set the objectives, and I believe to uh, to know really what what your goal is behind it, because I, I don't still don't find it easy. And just so that we are clear, and I think this is a very difficult task, but should we should be taking and facing and doing those small successful projects is definitely one of the uh, ways to go. And for instance, if I think about our, I'm referring to my law firm, our automation and document management platform. Um, that we are just familiarizing ourselves with. It's not that we are fluent because one of the goals of Legal Tech Academy is to break the misconceptions of every lawyer being a tech friendly and everybody knowing everything. So we are just familiarizing ourselves with this tool. It does have the AI uh, part when it takes the data, shows us this everything. But I got to say that we are so focused right now on this input part that we are very far away to be really benefiting from the output and i think that this is fine for now i'm i'm not obsessing over it i'm keeping in on the back of my head that this is something that uh, we have to consider and maybe take take the benefit from I, I still don't know whether we will be we are armed for this because i saw these graphs and I, I see them, it's like the reports, right? And data analytics in the legal context shouldn't be just for the reports. It, it can be more. Definitely, risk management is right there. I mean, it's it's not for the report. You need to, 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 to take good decisions. And that's what also Mark Cohen suggested in his latest article and what he's always been saying, you know, it's about actionable data. So you need to dig in extracted data so at the end of the day you can take better decisions better risk management better decisions for your clients better outcomes for the business that you're working for as a legal department so it definitely has to be a means to an end not an end in itself the, the case is uh, the cost of implementing this uh, already existing software because as far as i know they are extremely expensive and sometimes for small company uh, for the, um, the software for due diligence, uh, they are ex extremely, extremely expensive. And sometimes it's much cheaper to, to, hire, uh, to hire one more person than to invest in the, in the software, especially if you don't get new due diligence every single month. So um, having and buying um, new software uh, sometimes it's extremely, extremely expensive. It's because, because uh, they are uh, focused on US and UK market where the 
pricing, the, the prices uh, of uh, legal services are extremely expensive. Uh, so sometimes the, that software is um, cannot be reached by company, legal companies in, in Poland because the prices are the same uh, in US and in Poland, but the clients, you know, are smaller here than there. Mike, it's more of a, a statement and a question. So we are uh, out of Austin, Texas, and we have been serving other domains, oil and gas, energy, healthcare, retail, and de deploying AI solutions for the last decade. And what we typically find is, is that companies that aren't ready have a much lower probability of success when they go to deploy, whether it's their data, their culture, all the things that we heard you guys mention earlier, all really valid points. And so, and I don't wanna turn this into a sales discussion, but we use a tool specifically that goes in and evaluates the criteria, people, business, operations, platform, process, security, data, all those things. And it comes back with a score and it tells us whether or not we feel the company that we're serving is really ready to go deploy these tools yet because we find historically over the past decade that if they're not, uh, their probability of failure is very, very high. And so uh, that was one of the things that I, I was interested in hearing. We're just getting into the legal space and we really haven't seen anything unique in terms of the infrastructure there that tells us that these same parameters wouldn't apply in the legal area. So I was, I was curious as to what your thoughts were on preparedness and readiness as opposed to just diving in. Yeah, well, one point on, on the readiness is, you know, and we didn't touch that in the, in the last hour, but it's a very important point when speaking about AI is language. Right. So is your if you're working in Central Eastern Europe as a law firm and you have clients from this region, you and you have some sort of international practice, you probably work in English and in some of the local languages or several of the local languages. So any AI tool in our region is only relevant if it's non-English based or it's not only only taught about you know English data. So so that's a very important readiness factor in our region. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Agata and I'm a project manager in, in a company that does e-discovery, which e-discovery would be essentially kind of like a sub uh, sub industry to legal tech in general. It's quite specific. So a lot of the information that you've been talking about today really relates to my day to day and what I do kind of in a, let's say, in a hybrid consultant role between the IT and, and lawyers um, every day on any projects. But one question that, or it's kind of like an observation from you because e-discovery is heavily driven and heavily involved in, in any matters uh, coming from um, common law system. So it, it kind of developed in US, it was, it was born there and kind of the legal tech and and it grew out, especially there and it's heavily used here in UK. I'm based in London. And I can see there is this uh, big disparity between common and civil law countries. And I think that also has an impact on the fact and on perhaps on other law firms and companies willing to use AI, whether it's for more business perspective and business efficiency that they would like to do, like you've, uh, or Solia mentioned, the uh, contracts management, perhaps um, uh, people's management. You would because you get contractors, you have to monitor reviewers and so on. You, uh, you know how it works. But more specific uh, to to e-discovery would be working on specific matters and and having those 
models, machine learning models to help and find the exact evidence uh, for their cases. And I, I'm, I'm wondering of your opinion on it. Do you think the fact that certain countries will be driven by civil or common law and will have historically more traditional, let's say, law approach, law work uh, culture than others will have an impact on, on, let's say, willingness of lawyers to use AI and companies to use AI and so on. To answer your question, I got I don't think that the legal culture that would, would define willingness or readiness to use AI. I think it's just a different context. We need to figure out different types of questions, um, you know, maybe using different contexts, but litigation disputes, compliance are really good areas for using e-discovery and the sort, sort of search engines, smart, smart search functionality of AI. Um, so I, I don't think that would be a barrier to using AI in a you know, civil law country uh, compared to a common law country. And if I may add something actually to the, uh, to the answer, I think that I've read a study on the uh, transability of the algorithm that were used in e-discovery to the contract review that also can be done in the civil um, law countries. Uh, I don't remember exactly um, the name of the study and so it was uh, i've read so many of them but if i if you is something that interests you i can find it but that's not the answer to your question what i think that can actually impact the way that legal tech is being implemented is not as much the whether is the common law or civil law jurisdiction but what's the legal market so this is an observation we had when i was presenting just a week ago i believe the um, comparative approach between the French and the Spanish legal tech markets, which are the two that I'm moving on. And actually we realized that the amount of lawyers that is um, there on the market, the culture of practicing law, the approach that the clients have towards the lawyer and so on, it impacts greatly the legal tech ecosystem, meaning for instance, the different parts of legal tech that are that are developing and so. So this doesn't answer directly your question, but it's something that I that came to my mind when you were uh, seeing that um, that you know that um, link between the two, um, because I do align with uh, with um, Orsolia thinking that uh, common law, civil law. Um, it, it doesn't, uh, although, well, it's all about the, the data that's available and the amount of work that's been done. And of course, common law being Anglo-Saxon, well, of course, they have the, the advantage. And also, they've started both US, they've started the legal tech adventures so many years before. So they do have this uh, advantage. Uh, but as for as the common law and civil law from a legal standpoint, I wouldn't say so. But it's a great question, a very complex one, I think. The more I answer, the more I really realize how many layers uh, it can have. But thanks a lot for, for, for that, Agatha. Very welcome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Legal Tech Academy podcast. Please remember to follow us on social media and share our podcasts, meetups, as well as our ebooks with your friends and your network. See you around.